0: The United Methodist People Podcast with Rev. Dr. Brad Miller, episode number 45, featuring a conversation with the author of Comeback, Returning to the Life You Were Made For, Rev. Dr. Roger Ross.
1: I found that to be exceedingly important for me to be able to not only put being before doing, uh, but also to be in the presence of God. Jesus said we are to abide in Him, not to do things for Him necessarily, but which starts by abiding.
2: Welcome to the United Methodist People podcast with Rev. Dr. Brad Miller. Brad believes that strengthening the connection in the United Methodist Church is essential to accomplishing the mission of making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. The United Methodist People podcast helps clergy and church leaders connect with key insights, hear inspiring stories, and learn from the people making a difference in the United Methodist Church through conversation and commentary. And now, here's Brad.
0: Hello, good people, and welcome to the United Methodist People podcast with Rev. Dr. Brad Miller. This is the podcast where we seek to help you and help people who love the United Methodist Church to strengthen the connection through conversation and commentary. And we've got a great guest here with us to, to today, Rev. Dr. Roger Ross, is the author of the new book called Comeback, Returning to the Life You Were Made For. He's talking in this book about disasters that happened to us. We're cruising along and the bottom drops out. And how do we find our way back personally? But also in our conversation today, we talk about how for many people, they've had to face disasters in the the last year or so. With the pandemic, which has happened with economic issues, with political unrest, with racial unrest, with violence, with uh, situations in our own United Methodist Church of division and and animosity. Uh, Where can we go? How can we learn to have a comeback? How can we learn to come back to come home? He gives us some great insights in his book about how to do this and about uh, how we can utilize a workbook that he has to apply it in classroom settings in our local churches. I think you're going to find it helpful. Roger is the director of the Congregational Excellence of the Missouri Annual Conference and previously served churches in Illinois and has been had a history of a church planner and the, his previous book was called meet the good people he blogs at Roger rogerross.online our website here at the united methodist people podcast is united methodist com. there you can find lots of back episodes of the podcast that can help you in your life and ministry as we speak to great leaders in the united methodist church and seek to find a pathway forward. You're going to love this conversation we have today with Roger Ross. It's going to be helpful to you in your life and ministry. So let's get into our conversation with Roger Ross, the author of Comeback, Returning to the Life You Were Made For Right Now. Reverend Dr. Roger Ross, who is an author of a couple of books. A few years ago, he had Meet the Good People, which describes people in the church. And today we're going to be talking with him about his new book called Comeback, and he'll get into the details of that book in a minute. Uh, Roger is the Director of Congregational Excellence in Missouri Annual Conference of United Methodist Church, responsibility with revitalization, revitalizing congregations in Missouri, but he's also been a pastor in Illinois and a former church planner and my good personal friend. Roger, welcome to uh, United Methodist People podcast.
1: Thanks, Brad. It is great to be a part of this again. Awesome, awesome, my friend.
0: Well, you have been a, a, a person who has been involved with the life of the church for some time, and in different ways, and helping get things uh, uh, responding to the needs of the church. And one of the needs in the church is helping people to understand uh, their personal relationship to God and their personal relationship to the church, and to deal with things that are happening in, in their life. And it just uh, Seems to me that you've been doing a lot of that, Uh, but we're going to talk today about this new book you have come out that's just come out called The Comeback. So uh, tell me, why did you write Comeback?
1: Well, I got to be honest with you, Brad, it really caught me off guard. Uh, In January, actually now in July of 2019, uh, I went on a five-day silent prayer retreat, and about three days in, God whispered something. There was no audible voice, just an impression, right about comebacks. And instantly, I knew that that was not because I was an expert, but because I needed one. I was on that retreat because i had had some hard falls in my own life. And even though by outward appearances, it may have looked as if I'd recovered, during that time away, I realized how much further I had to go. So just as a a spiritual exercise, I took about an hour and jotted down a few ideas on a legal pad about how to come back. And I wanted to figure out what that full journey might look like, uh, especially for my own sake. But the more I thought about it, I was drawn to my favorite passage in the Bible, uh, which is Jesus' story of the prodigal son, because that's an epic comeback. And that was good. You know, I kind of had an initial framework of the journey and left there and went on to other things. But. It didn't leave me. You know, about a month after the retreat, I took out that legal pad, um, reviewed a few things I'd written, made some changes, put it away again. A month later, now it's in September, I uh, did the same thing, took it out, played with it a little bit. Um, and at this point, I began to realize, you know, this, this could be a book. But I also realized at this rate, it could take me 10 years to write it, you know.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Riding goes that way. I know it does for me sometimes. It just seems <laughs> like you, you get the initial burst and then, oh,
1: my gosh, it drags on. So Absolutely. Uh, so I, uh, I had that little come to Jesus moment right then, actually. It's like, well, if I'm going to take this command that I heard on that retreat seriously, I'm going to have to talk to somebody about this. And I'm not kidding you, Brad, just like within days of that little moment, uh, my editor of the former book at Abingdon, uh, Connie Stella, sent me an email. I hadn't heard from Connie in over two years. And that was about Thursday, uh, Thursday afternoon, about 4.30. And I just took that as a sign. So by 5.25, I replied to her. To say that I wasn't going to be at the event that she was uh, emailing me about, so that we could maybe catch up, but I did have this idea for a new book, and I threw it out to her. I mean, all five paragraphs, short paragraphs, uh, and I'm thinking she is never going to go for this. I mean, this this was not an elevator pitch. This was like a a revolving door pitch. I mean, it was in and out, boom, just okay. skeleton. And to kind my of almost co- a reaction type of thing, it sounds like yeah yeah and so to my total surprise she liked it and by October I was writing a book. there you go man so I couldn't have planned that really and it was so different from my first experience of uh, trying to get a book published I mean this was just like falling off a log I thought maybe somebody had drugged her I't didn't, I, I, didn't, I didn't know how how that could have happened so easily yeah. but I realized that you know if if I needed this, maybe there are reasons I don't understand that God must really want me to write about comebacks. Hmm.
0: You think that you mentioned how you had your own issues or setbacks and to have a comeback, you got to have a setback. Do you think that the setbacks that you experienced are uh, resonate with the setbacks that other people are experiencing, especially uh, as we are dealing with the, uh, ramifications of the pandemic, which we've been experiencing, and all the things coming around with that. Are there some ways that your experience can resonate with the p- experiences of other people? Have been having?
1: Yeah, I, I really think so because um, that's just the nature of life. I mean, uh, one night uh, I remember a number of years ago when our son was young, we were at a little league baseball uh, game, and and he was in the batter's box, and they had a full count. You know, three balls, two strikes. And as we waited breathlessly for that next pitch, his young friend that was standing next to me said, well, one thing's for sure. Something is going (laughs) to (laughs) happen. Well, there you go. Yeah. And my wife and I have laughed about that for years, ever since, because, you know, you don't have to live very long to know that something is going to happen in your life. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And oftentimes those are good things. Sure. Right. I mean, You can go through stretches of life. that Things are going so well, you begin to think it's always going to be like that. But sooner or later, a fall occurs. And that may be due to forces beyond our control, like you were talking about, such as a pandemic, disease, racism, a natural disaster. Or it could be because of missteps of our own making. Yes. Either way, when something like that happens, when a fall comes, we have a choice. Are we going to allow that fall to define and defeat us? Or are we going to choose to dig deeper, ignite hope, and mount a comeback?
0: Yes. I think uh, ad- adversity is a given and in, in my research and in my thinking in the book I'm writing. It, I kind of break it down to the five D's, which are depression and debt, as in financial issues, a divorce, as in relationship issues, of uh, um, disease, like the pandemic, things like that, and then death, either your own impending death or death of a loved one. And those, in one form or another, those all happen to all of us, but how we deal with it makes all the difference. And you had something, some things happen to you that, that, I'll, that you chose to process by going on a five-day retreat and starting to write a book. So you took some action. Tell me a bit about the actions that you think that you know, some, a lot of people get stuck, you know, uh, where, when adversity is and they get stuck and you took some action. So tell me about the process about what you are advocating that maybe you did or others do to speak to the fall, to what are you going to do about it now?
1: Yeah, that's, that was what was helpful about uh, looking into the scriptures in particular, into the prodigal son story and, and just looking at it from the perspective of someone who had a fall. Now with regard to the prodigal son, that was a fall of his own making. Yes. You know, Um, but that's, what's, uh, that's, what's common to all of humanity that as I mentioned a moment ago, sooner or later, everybody's going to have a fall. So then the only question is what are you going to do as a result? So really the first, the first step in, in a comeback journey is you have a fall. And you know what, this is the one that nobody likes, nobody wants, but it's just going to come sooner or later. Uh, and we have to, to figure out what we're going to do as a result. Uh, the other steps on that journey. And just to uh, hit there just
0: for a second, you're going too far. And some people have already kind of uh, uh, prepared themselves in the sense that yeah, that's the life reality. But some people, when they have a fall, it hits them so hard, it is a total, a complete shock, isn't it? It just takes them off, it knocks
1: the wheels off them of under. Uh, absolutely, you know, it's it's uh, it's like falling the wrong way and having the, the breath knocked out of you. You know, you mm-hmm. I mean you're, you're gasping for breath, and and you don't know why all of a sudden you can't breathe when just a few seconds ago you could. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's a very painful and disorienting experience. Uh, mm-hmm. And in fact, um, what what I decided to do in the book was not just talk about the steps uh, that a person would take after they have a fall, but also put some kind of transforming practice uh, in connection with each of the steps to help people to know what to do when that happens. So when, when you have a fall and it just knocks the breath right out of you, you don't know what to do next, and you're disoriented, you're confused, uh, you have a myriad of different uh, uh, emotions, um, the, the transforming practice of that first step is simply to listen to your emotions. There's all kinds of things that are going on inside of you. uh, And oftentimes they're kind of a jumbled, mixed up mess. But if you don't spend some time just quietly listening to your emotions, they're going to take you on a ride that you don't want to go.
0: Well, it's very interesting that you say that, because I've been reading a lot of stuff recently about things like flow and about focus. And how there's so many distractions in the world right now that tend to help us get into denial of dealing with feelings and dealing with this stuff, and a lot of people will try to then jump into all these distractions. And what you're saying is, you got the action step. The act, the 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 point of application is to pay attention and listen, not
1: deny. Yeah, that's, that's really the transforming practice. One of the things I uh, discovered as I was looking at these uh, different comeback steps is that there are ancient practices uh, that uh, have been a part of the Christian faith, uh, and in some cases, some other forms of faith for centuries, uh, that people have put into practice to help them to be able to deal with these inevitable falls that are coming our way. Uh, and one of them that is, I mean, it's all through the scriptures. Uh, Jesus is a classic example of someone who was very attuned to, very aware of his feelings and able to express them appropriately in the moment. And frankly, most of us are not like that. Most of us are unaware of what we're feeling at any given time. Uh, and we do our best to numb our emotions to try to escape the pain or just ignore them for fear that they might slow us down. It's like centered perfectly.
0: And that is where we have to then continue to apply these other processes that you have mentioned, the practices of connecting to other people, mentors and such who can help us. And tell us what about maybe some of the things you did, or maybe you advocate in terms of uh, connecting to guides or other people who can speak into our life.
1: Yeah. So uh, after you have a fall, really the, the next step is to, to kind of come to yourself. That's the thing that uh, you see in uh, the prodigal son story. I mean, he, Uh, you know, he was off marching uh, to his own drumbeat and he was on a great journey of self-discovery. And then all of a sudden he realized, oh, my gosh, I've got myself uh, into a much deeper water than I can get out. Uh, And he had a little what you call a come to Jesus moment where he came to himself uh, and realized, you know what, Uh, I'm in deep doo-doo here uh, and uh, I don't know what to do next. I just know that I can't stay where I am. You know, it's, it's, it's what some people talk about with regard to hitting bottom. Yes. You know, and, uh, and once that happens, you have to make kind of a deep internal decision. It's like, I'm not staying here. I, I refuse to wallow in this emo- emotional slot for the rest of my life. I, I was made for more than this. And, and just grasping that one truth sets you on a new course so the it, the transforming practice for that is simply to engage in solitude and stillness you know it's it's taking time to be alone with god because one of the things that we are exceptionally good uh, at in american life american culture is doing we are not good at being and i'm like the chief center with all this i mean I, i've i've realized that in my own life and one of one of the Uh, truths that I've been embracing uh, in recent years uh, is that being precedes doing. Hmm. Uh, And if you get that out of order, uh, then you're very unlikely to have uh, the kind of self-awareness necessary to take the steps that will bring you back to the life you were meant for.
0: Hmm. That's awesome. That's awesome. And then the, but it's interesting, you know, you kind of You had some self-reflection there about what you do or don't do. And yet what seemed to be really transformative to you was taking that five-day silent uh, retreat, which would be just out of the realm of question for so many people. And so what are some things that you think people can do? They need to quiet, but what are some of the practices? What are some of the disciplines that people can apply their lives on a regular basis uh, that it, that is a doable thing that that they can do, or maybe people or resources that they can connect up with.
1: Yeah, so with regard to, to solitude and stillness, I mean, solitude is simply being alone, being, taking kind of, um, taking yourself away from others and away from other distractions so that you can be alone with God. Uh, and uh, Jesus practiced this all through the scriptures. Uh, and you see other uh, great uh, leaders uh, of faith through the scriptures that do this as well. I mean, Paul takes off on a journey for like three years all by himself. I mean, it's just—I mean, there there are kind of extreme examples in some cases. I mean, Jesus he starts out his ministry by going on a, a, a forty-day not just fast but a journey by himself out into the wilderness, which yes. is the desert. Yes. Uh, and not not surprisingly, he gets tempted by the devil during that time. Uh, so uh, all kinds of spiritual things happen sometimes good, sometimes not so good when you uh, put yourself in a position where you are in solitude and stillness, you know, silent before the Lord. Now, you don't, I mean, those are kind of extreme examples. uh, And I don't recommend anyone to start out that way. You know, occasional joggers don't go out and run marathons. It's not a good idea. Um, But what anyone can do is uh, take their phone or the timer that's on their watch and set it for 10 minutes and go in a room by themselves uh, without uh, any other distractions and be alone with God. Uh, That is a powerful discipline, just 10 minutes. Uh, And, uh, and uh, if you're like me, uh, naturally what people are going to experience is they'll start having all kinds of distractions hit uh, their minds. You know, all the things that they have to do that day, people they need to call emails, they need to send on and on. Um, But uh, one of the things I found to be really helpful in those times for solitude is just pick a word or a phrase and say it over and over silently to yourself, like Abba, or Father, or Jesus, or I receive your grace, or um, although one uh, one of them I used uh, today was uh, Have mercy on me, mm. have mercy on me, yes, have mercy on me. Just say that same little phrase or word over and over again, just as a way to focus your mind and heart so that you can calm and still yourself on the inside to be able to be present to the presence. Mm
0: -hmm. I think one of the things that is interesting, what you're saying there, Roger, is that um, in all through your book, you talk about the practice, the application of this. And for instance, what you're talking about with uh, stillness uh, and meditative uh, techniques is oftentimes the more you do it, just the better you get at it. You know, the, the first uh, several times you try it, you do it, you, you know, it is that chaos of the mind, the emails and all the things to do. But if you, you know, if you do it more on a regular basis with breathing or a mantra or a word or uh, a phrase or a breathing exercise, then it becomes more part of who you are. And you become much more productive as well. At least that's what uh, a lot of the productivity coaches are are teaching uh, these days.
1: Yeah, I mean, something that's really popular in our culture right now is uh, mindfulness. You hear people talk about that quite often. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mindfulness is another way of talking about meditative prayer. Yes. Um, I mean, mindfulness is just uh, Christian meditation has been going on for many centuries
0: just kind of a secular to a secular framing of that uh, practice. I believe I've been reading some mindfulness uh, type material here recently, and yeah, I agree with you. Mm-hmm.
1: So uh, I, you know, I found that to be exceedingly important uh, for me to be able to uh, again, kind of, not only put being before doing, uh, but also to um, be in the presence of God. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, you know, the, the, there's not, Jesus said, uh, we are to abide in him, right? Not not to do things for him necessarily, but which starts by abiding in him, mm-hmm. you know, and when we're abiding in him, when we're connected to the vine, that's when the fruit uh, can be born in our lives. But when we're off doing and frantically going in one direction or another, a hundred different directions at one time, there's very little abiding going on. And so small wonder that there's not very much fruit that's being born. Mm-hmm.
0: Speaking of the fruit and success and, or whatever you want to call it, the, the, the pro- productivity, I would notice that, uh, Rod, you use a lot of sports analogies and analogies from the lives of people who have had, you know, basically hit bottom and had to come back. And then what they experienced on the way back, our experience once they came, came back. And the, the theme of your book is come back. And of course, you know, One analogy is sports where there's been somebody behind in a basketball game or whatever it would be and come back in the exhilaration, the focus it takes to come back and the exhilaration of the victory. And you also mentioned about some some people that you have had experiences with who have had that as well. Some pretty tough situations and come back. So tell a little bit more about examples of how. This is out there, whether it's some sports analogy or some person about how the, the focus that they had to take in order to turn it around and the exhilaration of the victory.
1: Yeah, so um, there are several examples of uh, people that I use in the, in the book that are you know famous people that most of us would know. Uh, somebody like Tiger Woods uh, is a great example of someone who had a, a disastrous fall, very public fall uh, back in 2009. And, uh how over essentially a 10-year period he clawed and scratched his way back to finally uh, then um, eventually win the, the 2019 masters, uh, which was uh, in in many uh, sports writers minds and uh, sports experts minds, probably the the biggest if not uh, or one of the biggest if not the biggest, Uh, sports turnaround in history because this guy he had gone through um i think three different back surgeries before that um he uh, had basically said look i'm done two years before that he had told people at the masters in 2017 i'm never going to play again uh certainly not play at a a professional level Uh, but he just kept coming back Uh, and part of that was that you know he He had to listen to his emotions. He had to engage in solitude and stillness for sure. But he also had to seek wise counsel. And that's the third step. You have to find a guide. Uh, And uh, he had a whole team of guides in his life uh, that would help him to be able to make the journey back, you know, on a medical level, uh, on an emotional and spiritual level, uh, on a relational level. He had a whole team of people that were kind of dedicated to helping him make that turn. Um, but you know, even with wise counsel, at some point you'll have to just make a plan and start taking action. You know, you, you have to realize, uh, this isn't going to happen all by itself.
0: You got to work. You got to get after yeah. it, don't you? Yeah.
1: You, you have to get after it. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, like anything in life, I mean, uh, you know, the, the things that are most important to us, uh, we invest in. Yes. Uh, and i you know, this book didn't write itself. Uh, You know, I may have been inspired uh, initially back in July of 2019, uh, but it took a lot of hours, uh, a lot of time, uh, you know, when I could have been doing other things. Um, But I sensed the need to do this, even if even if just my mom and my sister wrote it (laughs) or read it, rather, I knew I knew that I needed to write it uh, because I needed to work out some things in my own heart, in my own life.
0: Yeah. And
1: part, part of that was making a plan and taking action because, you know, um, basically there are two kinds of people in life. You know, there are people that like to plan and there are people that like to act. Uh, and, and oftentimes they don't go together, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but a plan without action is just as ineffective as action without a plan. You, you need them both, uh, yeah. there's a healthy balance.
0: I've heard it said then, something effective planning without action is just entertainment or an intellectual exercise, you know, it's just not getting anywhere.
1: Right. Um, so I, I can't remember exactly the quote, but something like, um, um, a dream without a plan is a nightmare, you know, it's mm-hmm. just, yeah. <laughs> it well,
0: you, you, you have your it. moment of clarity, clarity of decision. You, you decide to do something, write a book, uh come back to win the masters. Uh but then you it doesn't happen instantaneously. You don't choose to do this. You don't choose to have some great accomplishment in life. And it just doesn't happen instantaneously. You got to work at it. And oh by the way, it doesn't stop. What I mean by that, you know, just to use Tiger Woods as an example. Yeah, he won the masters a couple of years ago. But now if we're recording this and, uh in March of, uh, of 2021, just a month or so ago, he had a terrible accident. And if he wants to come back, he's going to have to come back again. Right, Fred?
1: Exactly. Uh, that's exactly right. I mean, uh, Tiger, I mean, I've been praying for Tiger. Uh, Tiger went through a terrible fall, so to speak, uh, in his car accident. And uh, once again, um, there are grave questions as to whether he's ever going to be able to play golf again. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, he'll, have to, he'll have to climb uh, this mountain again, so to speak. But, but the, the last part, which I think is the part that most people don't uh, appreciate uh, to the comeback journey, is trusting the process. Once you've uh, gone through these other steps, and you've made a plan, you begin to take action, this is the part that derails most people, frankly. They choose to make this comeback bid, they, and then they uh, get about halfway there. And they get stuck. And they start to struggle because they start to doubt whether they can actually come back or not. Uh, and, um, and doubt creeps in. Uh, and, you know, the, the thing that I've uh, found in my own life is that doubt is the leading edge of faith. And it's faith that's the unseen secret of turnarounds. You have to believe in things that you can't see yet. To be able to make it all the way back uh and and frankly uh without struggle there's no comeback
0: wow and i think it's very uh very true there's been lots of um evidence about people in the middle of whatever they're doing and just don't make it they give up i think you know, during this uh, COVID crisis, we've seen some people who just kind of threw their hands and said, "You know, it's over with. I, I can't do anything about this." And other people, for instance, the medical scientific community put their put their mind to developing the vaccines and came up with it in a year or so, whereas what you usually have been a, a long process. And and uh, I know that there have been some writers who talked about this, the the nature of that of that draw that will just Draw you down, kind of that uh, will that grief and that will take you down the middle of the. No, I call it the Malaysia mediocrity, You get stuck in the middle, and will will just kill you. Will just kill you. And I, I'm trying to think of the word that some writers have used, uh, but uh, will just kill you. But you got to get through that time. But what gets you through that time is hope and faith.
1: Right. So I mean, with writers, they always talk about writer's block. Well, you mm-hmm. know, writer's block comes right at this time uh, when. When you've got the plan, you're taking action and you get, you know, partway there, maybe halfway there and you just get stuck. Uh, And that's when uh, you have to uh, take this final step, which is simply trusting the process Uh, and trusting the process is to say, you know what? I can't see the progress I'm making today versus yesterday. Uh, I'm not sure that what I do today is going to make that much of a difference by tomorrow. But I just have to trust the process and keep putting one foot in front of the other. And that's what faith is about.
0: Mm-hmm. One of the writers I've read recently about this, he calls it trust the soup, which is where, uh, where you put all the ingredients into what you're working on. And it's going to come out, but you got to trust the process. you got to keep it stewing and keep it going and trust the process. You're going to come up with something good. In, in the end exactly. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And and really the the transforming practice for trusting and process is is doing something that's very counterintuitive, especially in our very activistic American life. And yeah. that is embrace patient trust.
0: Yeah. But uh, I think might have been same writer uh, said something like "embrace the suck." You know, it's going to stink. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: You know. actually, I just read an article about that. I think that was uh, Brene Brown that says that. Yeah, yeah,
0: but, yeah. that was one of the writers I, I've written. I wish uh, I just I wish I could think of this guy that I'm uh, thinking of who uh, is, is one of his w- w- books called "Do the Work." I can think of the book title, of the book. I can't think of the author's uh, name, uh, but it has to do with this process that we're talking about here. But it, here's what I want to come around to this with you here, Roger. Is uh, come back when you coming back to you. you're coming back to a good coming back to a good place. So, what's the best thing about a comeback? What's the best thing about coming home or coming to that better place? Uh,
1: you know, uh, this is the thing that probably surprised me the most about writing. The, <clears throat> excuse me, about writing the book, Brad, uh, because um, to 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 come back to return to the life you were made for does not necessarily mean that you're going to win the game uh, or that you're going to come back out on top with whatever it was uh, that you were um, you know, initially shooting for. Uh, a, a comeback, uh, you know, really truly understood, is, uh, is coming home to who God made you to be. Uh, it's realizing that you've been on this long journey. And when you finally come back home, You're seeing it now with fresh eyes, like you could never see it before. I mean, think about the prodigal son. When he came back home, he saw home in a way that he had never seen it before, and he'd lived there his whole life. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh,
1: And that's the beauty of a true comeback, because it transforms you from the inside. And now you see life in a different way. It tenderizes your heart. It provides, And when, when a comeback works the way it's supposed to. Provides a level of compassion that you could not have had previously. It it enables you to to actually practice humility. I mean, think about the Tiger Woods that we knew uh, before two thousand nine, right. and the Tiger Woods that we know now. I mean, he's he's really a different man.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Making a contribution, uh, much more uh, approachable, things like that.
1: So yeah, and and really, frankly, much more humble.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, because he's faced some of his own inner demons. Uh, he's uh, he's realized uh, some of his limitations, uh, and he's embraced some of his own humanity, some of which was not, you know, particularly uh, a pretty thing to look at. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's al- allowed that to kind of be absorbed into who he is now uh, more fully as a more mature man.
0: Yes. Well, I just would... Uh... I think we're really, what we're talking about ultimately here is transformation, you know, transformation. We, we have this point where we're cruising along and everything seems to be going in one way or another. Okay. Then we hit a fall. whatever your fall was impacted you greatly. Uh, everyone, uh, many, many people had a fall with the pandemic. Other people have a financial issue or a moral issue or a issue with health, whatever it is, or with, uh, uh, something else maybe death in the family and what are you going to do about it so but the idea here isn't to come back home to where you were exactly that place that was where you left because maybe that may not be where god wants you to be be the best place to be to transform to something renewed and i'm reminded of the biblical stories of emerging to a good place, the promised land, you know, to the 40 days in the wilderness, the 40 years in the wilderness, all these stories about transformation takes place. You left something at home and you come through the storm, you come through the wilderness, you come through this, and you come to a better place. And what you're doing here is helping us to to do this through identifying the problem, getting some mentors along the way, getting to know yourself, going to that, those quiet uh, places uh, embracing the, the uh, trust, trusting the process, and then celebrating it. So good. Yeah. How? Tell me just one more thing. And then uh, we'll let you go here in just a few just a minute or two here. Tell us about how you've seen this happen in others, either in a person you've worked with, or perhaps an organization you work with in a part of your role is to work with churches many churches that may be struggling and we live in a world right now in our united methodist church with a lot of churches and even our denomination is having its share of falls and struggles and dynamics which are just you know painful it's a fall in many ways what is your suggestion or what is your example of some individuals or organizations that have chosen to do a path somewhat what you're what you're talking about here
1: well, there's, there are lots of individuals, uh, and you know we've, we've mentioned a couple along the way here, but uh, with regard to an organization, I mean, I, I know a number of uh, churches uh, that have realized, you know what, um, well, we're in some part of this process that I just outlined, this, this comeback journey that I just outlined, uh, and having an idea of where you are in that journey is hugely important for you to be able to make whatever the next step is for you. Um, I just talked with um, uh, one of the supervisors of uh, our churches uh, in Missouri, and she told me that um, there's a church that has has had a a terrible fall. I mean, terrible financial mismanagement. Um, About half the congregation has left. um, Lots of hurt feelings and, you know, just difficult things going on in life, that congregation. But uh, a new pastor has just been appointed to that church. Uh, And uh, for the first time in years, uh, the people that are left in that church actually have a sense of hope that that they could, instead of being uh, on a a kind of uh, a, a march uh, toward decline and then ultimate death, they now realize, you know what, this thing could turn around. We, we have the possibility of, um, of taking the fall that we all recognize has happened in our lives collectively as a congregation uh, and embracing a different journey that would take us to a different destination. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, that's just, that, that happened just today. Sure. I mean, I, I see all kinds of churches that that have that kind of light come back in their lives, uh, which represents a hope that's in their heart.
0: Yeah, well, that you mentioned that uh, I see that as an inflection point, you know, rather than the tipping, you know, tipping point of you know if we keep going, allowing the demise or allowing the the, the fall to crush us, then we will continue down that slide and the momentum will take us out. But if uh, in this case, inflection point, a new pastor, but in our own lives, we can have our own inflection points to choose to do some, something about it. And of course, here in our own beloved United Methodist Church, we have our own chaos. and We have our own dilemmas to deal with and my hope and prayer is that I don't think we're going to ever go back to what we were not too many years ago into some sort of sensibility of uh, us all getting along or else all on the same track something new will emerge in the process in the next year or two but I hope that it's a good thing and I hope that's a good thing that we can all uh, emerge to some better place. Do you have any thoughts? Do you have any thoughts about that at all before we uh, conclude our conversation?
1: Well, I uh, I do think that so uh, we're uh, moving as a United Methodist Church in uh, different directions, um, and um, that's not unusual. If you look at our history, uh, we've done that uh, for generations. You know, for the last couple of hundred years, we've been doing that uh, in the United Method- What is now the United Methodist Church what is Methodism over the course of the last couple of hundred years, uh, 250 years uh, in America. Uh, so that, that shouldn't be a big surprise uh, to us. Um, what's hard is the, the relational changes that will come as a result of that. Uh, there, there'll be people that we know and love uh, that go in different directions and we're not going to be seeing them near as much or working with them near as closely. And that part's going to be hard, yes. you know? Yeah. Um, That's the grief. That's the pain. There's going to be, that's, that's, that will be the fall uh, for us. Figuring out how uh, to, to process that in an emotionally healthy way uh, instead of kind of throwing hate bombs at each other, which is what we have had a tendency to do in United Methodist Church, uh, I think will be uh, our biggest challenge and potentially uh, our greatest victory if we can do that. Yes.
0: Well, That's the hope and prayer is having that great victory. And we've been talking here uh, today about having personal victories and victories in local churches and, or other organizations. And, and your book is all about that, making a comeback and getting through these falls and coming to a a better place. And it's available at Cokesbury and at Amazon and any place else that books are sold. It's by Abington press. And I commend our folks to check that out. But, part of checking out that book is some resources that you have that are specifically designed for study groups or perhaps for developing lessons. So why don't you tell us what about the supplemental resources that are available for the book comeback?
1: Sure. Thanks, Brad. Uh, Actually, uh, as soon as I brought the book out, I had pastors start to ask me, well, could we do this in our church? And would you like also provide a study guide for that? And I said, well, I hadn't really thought about writing a study guide, but I, I guess I could. And so, a few months after the book came out, the study guide uh, came out as well, and it looks a lot the same. I mean, all you can you can tell at the bottom it says participant guide. That's the only difference between the two. Uh, but um, the participant guide is based uh, on uh, the ability to kind of take the the process, the the five different steps we've been talking about, and um, put them into play in a person's life, and the study guide can be either used, or the participant guide can be used either as a small group, or it can be done on an individual study basis, either one of those work, and so there's a a small group component that kind of leads you through what you would do if you're together with, you know, six, eight, ten other folks, Uh, but there's also things that can be done individually uh, by person's five days out of the week in between the group sessions. So if you're doing, say, a six-session, six-week deal, uh, there's plenty of stuff uh, that you can be doing in between for individual studies to, to really drive the transforming practices into your life. Yes. That's the idea.
0: So there's an implementation and application process for the individual as well as for a group. And I assume that if a pastor's body wanted to use this as a resource for building a sermon series or something along this line, that this perhaps could be helpful in that regard uh, as well.
1: well. Absolutely. Yeah, that that was really kind of the idea behind it. I actually had a church, one of the uh, larger churches uh, in Illinois that took um, their church through this uh, in the fall of 2020, because that was when they were bringing people back. Uh, for in-person worship. And I thought, well, what a good way to do that. We'll just talk about comeback uh, as we are coming Mm. back for in-person worship.
0: Yes. Uh, Awesome. Well, tell us a little bit how that went. If you have any reports uh, about how that, when that was applied in a small group of church setting, how did it go? How did people respond?
1: Well, I can uh, share with you what uh, my friend Andy Adams, who's a senior pastor there, talked about. He said uh, it really kind of served as a gracious way to invite people back to God, as well as providing a, a unifying theme uh, for their church in the midst of a time that had been very disconnected due to summer months and the pandemic and the like. Mm-hmm. So they found that the church-wide study provided an easy step for their members to re-engage in community community um as they got into journey groups into subsequent groups that they had available and use the participant guide for that process
0: What well, sounds like an awesome uh, awesome resource and uh, that's available as a separate resource from the book itself is that also available at uh, cokesbury and um, and amazon and so forth
1: yep all those places awesome awesome
0: well, Roger, is there anything else you want to say either about the book or the resource or anything else? If people want to be in contact with you, for instance, do you have, uh, how can people uh, know more about Roger Ross and his writing, his ministry, what you're up to, how you can have, uh, uh, how they can learn more about the ways that you can input, input have input in their lives?
1: Uh, well, actually, I've just uh, uh, put together a new website called Roger Ross Online, rogerross.online uh, and that's where i be doing my blogging and um, providing other little tidbits here and there. You can kind of see where I may be speaking. There might be a time that I'm speaking in somebody's era, area. Uh, and uh, there are other things that that might be of interest on the website.
0: Awesome. Awesome. RogerRoss.Online is where you can find him. He blogs and some other resources there. He is the author of Comeback and the Comeback. Uh, study guide resources a few years ago he had the book meet the good people which is a great book as well and you can pick up all of those books at a cokesbury amazon and other places books are available and we continue to be thankful to our good friend roger ross the author of come back thank you roger i so appreciate the conversation that we had today with Rev. Dr. Roger Ross about his book, Comeback, Returning to the Life You Were Made For, and his conversation about the accompanying workbook, which we can apply in our small group settings. Uh, Good stuff there, some great takeaways. Just a couple things I want you to take away is the reality that we all face uh, collapses in our life. We all face a fall. We all face a time when the bottom drops out. Many of us experienced that this last year or so with the coronavirus and with racial unrest and violence, political upheaval, and certainly situations in our United Methodist Church. And we touched on all those things in our conversation here today with with uh, with Roger. But I want you to have the takeaway of what he talked about is the process that you need to do to transform that disaster or that chaos into some creativity. And it's all about transforming practices. So just the takeaways are it is the transforming practices that he talked about. For instance, if when the, when, when something bad happens to listen, be a good listener to the emotions that you have. Choose the transforming practice of solitude and stillness. Listen to mentors and counsel from people who are wise. Have a plan and to take action on your plan and to trust that God is in this no matter what. That's what I want you to get to hear today from our conversation is practices, transforming practices. Here in the United Methodist People podcast, we're all about conversation and commentary, which can help transform and strengthen our personal faith and our relationship in our United Methodist Church. We're in chaos. We all know that right now with situations in our world and in our church. But we can choose to get better personally. We can choose to get better in our churches. We can choose to get better if we but apply transforming practices. I believe that's what Wesley was talking about when he talked about going on to perfection, getting better. We won't have perfection until we're in heaven with, in heaven. But right now we can choose to get better. Hope that you can go over to United Methodist Podcast.com where you can see other great leaders in the church who have spoken into uh, your life and mine and the ministry of the church about situations in our world and to speak to them. We're here for you. We're here about transforming the, uh, tr- the transformation of the world, which comes when we are faithful to what God is all about. Because that's our mission as a church, isn't it? To be faithful disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. My name is Reverend Dr. Brad Miller, a local church pastor, here to serve you here at the United Methodist People podcast. And we hope that you will join us next time as we have more insights from leaders in the church. Until then, I just want to leave you with a quote from John Wesley, which I think is appropriate for uh, for today's conversation we have with Roger Ross. It goes like this, open quote. Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, you can. To all the people, you can. As long as ever, you can. Close quote. Thanks for joining me today on the United Methodist People podcast with Reverend Dr. Brad Miller. Until next time, continue
2: to do all the good that you can. Thanks so much for listening to the United Methodist People podcast with Reverend Dr. Brad Miller. You can continue the conversation and commentary about strengthening the connection in the United Methodist Church to accomplish our mission of making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Visit the United Methodist People podcast on the web at unitedmethodistpodcast.com and connect at facebook.com slash united methodist podcast and always do all the good you can